Tonight on Huckabee, television talk show host and author Dr. Phil, legendary funny man Rich Little, a New Year's recipe from Miss Daisy's Kitchen, our own Trey Corley, and the Music City Connection. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Well, 2023 is just about over, and frankly, I am not weeping over that. Bidenomics has hit most of us pretty hard with higher cost of gasoline and groceries. And if you have a retirement account with money invested in the stock market, you probably took a beating and lost a chunk of your nest egg to some very dumb policies. You know, like declaring war on fossil fuels and adding layers of regulation to everything including regulations to farmers and food producers. Now, wages never went up anywhere near the cost of basic goods and services. So here's what that means. Most Americans lost ground, no matter how hard they worked. We continued to see the shocking weaponization of the federal police agencies that targeted our former president, as well as those who supported him. And in some cases, these agencies had those folks arrested at gunpoint and put in jail for months without even a trial. President Trump himself was issued four separate indictments covering 91 charges, despite the fact that even liberal Democrat attorneys openly stated that the charges leveled against the former president were ridiculous and wouldn't stand up to an appeal. Our world is much more dangerous as the war in Ukraine continues to drag on. And then on October the 7th, the terrorist group Hamas savagely murdered almost 1,400 civilians in the most cold-blooded and barbarian manner that included placing live babies in ovens, knifing open the womb of a pregnant Jewish woman in front of her family, beheading babies who were sleeping in their cribs, and setting elderly wheelchair-bound women on fire. The violent raping of Jewish women in front of their families was another atrocity carried out by these callous killers. While most sane people understand that Israel is obligated to destroy Hamas, far too many people have sided with Hamas, even marched in the streets calling for the wholesale slaughter of Jews. Such despicable calls for the murder of Jews should cause revulsion in all of us. Sadly, even some hate-filled anti-Semitic members of Congress chanted, from the river to the sea, which is a call for the annihilation of Jews from the face of the earth. That is what genocide looks like, and it's what evil looks like. But we're just hours away from the start of 2024, which will bring with it another presidential election year. And we're only weeks away from the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primaries. Will Joe Biden's police agencies continue to try to prevent Donald Trump from even being able to make it on the ballot? What kind of third world tactics will we see an incumbent president use against his opponent, who just happened to be the former president? 
And will Americans start waking up to the fact that there's an 81-year-old cognitively impaired man shuffling around the stage at public events looking as lost as a puppy after he's finished bumbling through a teleprompter speech? And that's the first person that the whole world looks at when looking to the United States for strength and leadership. But will we as a people realize that the greatest threat of another four years of Joe Biden isn't him stumbling up the steps of Air Force One or being unable to remember the names of cabinet members sitting right in front of him? No, it's that the evidence continues to pile up that there is unprecedented corruption that has enriched his family and him personally with money from the communist Chinese affiliated businesses, from Ukrainian energy oligarchs and other foreign influence seekers appear to have had the perfect partner in Joe Biden and his various family members. I'm hoping for a much better 2024, although I'm not sure we will experience it until the elections, at which time I hope that Americans come to their senses and vote back people in places that will have policies that will make America great again. Hmm. I kind of like that phrase. Make America great again. You know, I might just suggest that to a certain candidate I know. I think I might. It is our final show of the year, so let's see it off in style, shall we? Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell these lovely folks here in the theater and at home what we've got planned for them tonight. Well, next, Mike sits with... Dr. Phil for an insightful conversation. Then stick around for a fantastic performance by our own Music City Connection. It's all tonight on Huckabee. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on X. Recently, I had the honor of sitting down for a long talk with one of America's favorite talk show hosts and most trusted sources of advice, Dr. Phil McGraw. Now, one subject we got into was raising kids with so many factors in society, pulling families apart and trying to take over the role of parents. I knew that was a subject that would be front and center in 2024. So as part of our special New Year's show, here's some more of my conversation not yet seen with Dr. Phil McGraw. Dr. Phil, great to see you and have you Glad here. Glad to be here. <clears throat> You have been doing daytime television, my goodness, for... 21 seasons. 21 well, seasons. Well, I did five on Oprah and then 21 on my own. So, so that's, a, that's a whole lot of daytime television. It is. Is there something in the future that, I mean, can we be maybe expecting? I know you're not ready to make a big announcement right now, but might we see you in prime time sometime in the near future? You're going to see me in prime time in January of 24. And I'm not given a lot of details about where and, and all, the, all of the specifics about that right now. But I can tell you that um, we're, we're 
going to be on the air in January of 24. Very excited about it. Building out the studios now, working with my staff now, putting it all together. And it, I am more excited about what I'm doing starting in January of 24 than I was back in 2002 when I launched Dr. Phil to begin with. Because the, I, I, I just feel like America right now is hungry for a healthy dialogue, a constructive dialogue. And, you know, the, America's still going to get their dose of Dr. Phil because I'm still going to have guests on the show. Yeah. I'm still going to be talking about the challenges that individuals are facing, families are facing. Uh, but we're also going to talk about what's happening in society and, and, and what society's facing. And, you know, I've talked about parents enabling kids, but what's the impact of them doing that? You know, how is that impacting our society? You know, when, when you do things for children, when you become concierge parents, when you smooth out all the bumps for them, when you don't take care of your business and let them learn by doing, you're cheating these kids out of a really important life lesson. And most importantly, you're cheating them out of a chance to observe themselves overcoming obstacles so they learn, hey, I can do that. Hmm. I overcame that. I have that confidence now. And we've got parents and universities that are coddling these young people and cheating them out of the opportunity to learn that they're competent and capable and able to do what they need to do. And I think a lot of people are frustrated. The whole idea that a kid would go to a university campus <clears throat> and have to have a safe space so he could get a popsicle, hug a puppy, and use some Play-Doh for a while. This is a college kid. What's wrong with him? He well, ought to be able I to cut it out. bring him into my safe. <laughs> uh, I do, too. Yeah, let me tell you something. This, there was a time, I've, I've been around a long time, um, and there was a time when I would have two applicants in front of me that were matched in every way, same IQ, same personality, same history in many respects job-wise, and one of them had a college degree and the other did not. And if I knew nothing except that, I would hire the college-educated one, even if their degree was in something irrelevant to the job. Mm -hmm. Why? Because what I knew about that college graduate was they had the ability to set a long-term goal, they had the ability to get along with jerk professors, <laughs> and they had the ability to, to get projects in on time, to work with others. I, I knew they had the ability to work in a four-year window, meet deadlines, get along with people, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't know that about this other person. Maybe they could too, but I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I knew that about this person because I knew what the college experience brought. I don't know that anymore. Mm. I don't know mm. that anymore. There have been more college professors Discipline suspended or fired in the last several years than we've seen since the McCarthy era, hmm. uh, back when Joseph McCarthy was accusing people of being communists. We've had them fired because students have complained about them saying things that hurt their feelings. Hurt their feelings. And yes. tenured professors have been dismissed because some students said, well, he said something hurt, hurt my feelings. She said something hurt my feelings. Really? <laughs> Really said something that I disagreed with. Isn't that what college is supposed to do? They're shouting down speakers. Yeah. They're shouting down speakers. So I used to know that someone had been through 
a, a, a different ideas and challenged to think outside their own bubble. Now I don't know that anymore. And that's sad. It I don't is know very that anymore. sad. And, and you see it in the parents, uh, parent of a seven-year-old. Kid comes home and says, I know I was born a boy, but I think I want to be a girl. And instead of the parents saying, well, let's talk about that. And let's, let's just visit with some people about that. They say, oh my goodness, let's go buy you a dress and let's get you some hormone therapy. What are we doing to kids when we don't think they're old enough and mature enough to buy liquor, to smoke cigarettes, to join the military, to buy a car, to drive a car or to vote, but we think they can make a life altering decision that would involve physically changing their very bodies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, One of the troubling things to me is that a lot of these school districts have policies where a counselor can talk to a child for six sessions without having to even inform the parent. Mm. And there were some school districts recently that were saying, we're seeing higher spikes in depression, anxiety, and loneliness in young people right now than since records have been kept about that. Now, this was before the pandemic, so you can't blame us on the pandemic. It goes back to 09 and 010 when we started seeing these spikes. And so in reaction to that, some school districts have been offered, we'll bring you more counselors. And some of those school districts, the parents have come together and voted and said, no, thank you. Hmm. No, thank you, because we have no idea what those counselors are going to be saying to our children, and we don't even know they're having those conversations. And frankly, we don't trust you to be having these social conversations with our children and not consulting us on it. We don't know if you're encouraging them uh, to question their gender. We don't know if you're just hearing them out, if you're telling them that they need to consider this a phase, if you need to, if they need to take this seriously, if they need to consult a physician, bring the parents into the conversation. We don't know what you're telling them, so no thanks. We'll figure this out mm-hmm. on our own. Now, it's gotten so bad yeah. that they don't trust counselors to be with their children. And that's why I say parents need to get involved. And let me say to parents, I, 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 I admire teachers so greatly. They work so hard for so little Uh, I don't know a single teacher that doesn't get in their own pocket to bring materials into the classroom. They're not the policy setters. They're just in there doing their jobs. And I encourage parents, if you're concerned about this, don't run up the stairs of the school like your hair's on fire, hysterically like, oh my God, you're conspiring to destroy my child. Go in maturely and sit down with whoever is in charge of making these decisions and say, I want to know the policy. Hmm. I want to know what you're doing, how you're doing it, what your rules are about talking to my child, and I'm entitled to know that. And if they stonewall you, then you need to go to the school district. And if they stonewall you, then you need to go to the state. And if they stonewall you, then you need to get a lawyer because you're entitled to know every syllable of what that policy is. 100% on target. Thank you to Dr. Phil for spending his time with us. And if you're hoping for more Dr. Phil, you are in luck. He is launching a brand new show in 2024, and we have all the details. You want them? Yeah, of course you do. Go to Huckabee.tv for more information. Now, as we get ready to ring in 2024, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell us who we're going to be welcoming next. 
When we come back, I'm on assignment to Miss Daisy's Kitchen. She's going to teach me how to make black-eyed peas, so stay tuned. Across the nation, around the world, everybody have fun tonight. Welcome back. Now, most Southerners know that if you want to start the year off right, you got to get yourself a big bowl of black-eyed peas. I mean, the origins of the black-eyed pea tradition, it's a little murky. Some people say it started during the Civil War when the Yankees left only the black-eyed peas when they raided Southern towns. Some say that it has roots in slaves' emancipation, who were ordered by President Abraham Lincoln to celebrate on January 1st of 1863. All we really know is that if you really want prosperity and good luck in the new year, this legume should be on your plate. And just for the record, I cook black-eyed peas many times a year. And if I do say so, my version is about as good as it gets. Because, folks, a bowl of peas, cornbread, and sliced tomatoes, that's truly a feast, right? It's all you need. Now, speaking of good luck... We all know that if anyone needs some good fortune, it's Keith Bilbrey. So we sent him down to Miss Daisy's Kitchen in Franklin, Tennessee, so he could learn how to make black-eyed peas, not just lucky, but delicious as well. Take a look. Well, Governor, I know you wish you were here. I am so <laughs> glad I'm here. I am here with my dear friend. We've known each other forever, Miss Daisy you. King. She is well-known cook throughout Everywhere, and if you're in Nashville, especially you, you, you know Miss Daisy. Everybody knows Miss Daisy. Oh, well, you're very and fine. Boy, how many cooking shows have I seen you do? And I can't believe I'm standing <laughs> here with you. You're going to teach me to cook. Oh, well, you know how to cook. Oh, I, yeah. I, I know because I'm, you know, a little birdie. I know uh, what's been going on in I your can, life. I can warm soup. Right, <laughs> but anyhow, we, yeah, I've been cooking a long time, soon to be 50 years. Yeah, I know, and it's just been great. And I'm still learning. Yeah, I, le I learn something every day from the guests that come into the market to shop, or from someone sharing a recipe. Yeah, but. We always, I've always, I grew up in the South, grew up in Georgia, and, and I've always had black-eyed peas. Mm -hmm. So I thought I would do a little something different with them for yeah. you to let me know if you like them. Well, now, black-eyed peas go back a long way with New York. Oh, they go back before colonial times. Yeah. We have they, to have black-eyed peas for good right. luck. So they were, you know, the origin of them was in Africa, and then they migrated to the States. And then during the Civil War, it was a real delicacy if somebody, especially the Southerners, if they got some and so then once they hit the south then everybody was creative and like sure. how many different ways can we yeah. do them so there's so many variables but let's get to this one and okay see if you're going to like it we're going to start out with i sauteed some bacon uh and this is the remaining grease and i'm just putting it to the side and then mm -hmm. keith if you will start let's turn the burner up a little bit we're going to start with some onion okay if you'll pour that in this is a medium-sized onion Okay. And then a half of uh, a red pepper, and we're sauteing this just until about oh, three or four minutes. Red pepper. Red pepper. Okay. And then next, you're going to add one jalapeno. Let's put it in quickly. It, right, there. right there. Right there. And then we're going to add some uh, spices. We are going to add chili powder. 
Um, this is like a teaspoon of chili powder. Mm -hmm. And here's your ground mustard. Let's add it. And then if you'll reach the salt and pepper. Salt and then pepper. our last is soy sauce. So and this, as I said earlier, cook two mm. to three minutes. And then we're going to add our black-eyed peas. So this recipe, you can cheat a little bit with a canned product because it's got so many wonderful flavors. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, the, the smell of it oh, right now. I know. All right, so why don't you add the two cans, 15-ounce okay. cans of black-eyed peas, undrained. Now, do you prefer Lux or uh, any, any brand? Yeah, this? just just get the okay. peas, and we're going okay. to dress them up. Ooh, and yeah. then, you know, we were talking earlier about Lux. So the black-eyed peas mean you're going to have lots of coins. Mm. The turnip greens are greens means you are going to have lots of dollars. Ooh. But, and the cornbread means you're going to have gold. But anyhow, uh, stewed tomatoes means mm -hmm. you're going to have health and wealth. And you can have them as a separate dish or this recipe you add about a 14-ounce can in with your peas. Mm -hmm. You're going to bring this to a boil. And then you're going to simmer it for about 20 minutes. And, mm -hmm. and that's it. It is so delicious. It sounds like something even I could do. Now, Keith also, and I know a lot of the guests out there are like, well, I need more spice. Add some red pepper flakes. Add some cayenne pepper. Sounds like kind of yeah. thing you can just add whatever you add want. Add more soy sauce. Add another jalapeno. Just kind of, but take the temperature of your family or your guests to make mm -hmm. sure that you don't overpower. And that's it. So, and this will serve about four to six people. Mm. It will stay in the fridge about two or three days, and so you can ha have some good leftovers. All right, so Keith, you can see we've had it at the right temperature mm -hmm. slowly, and it is now ready to pour into our dish. And then if you'll follow me over here, okay. and we're, and we're going to taste of this later. Mm -hmm. But this is our black-eyed peas, and I topped it with some more bacon and uh -huh. fresh parsley. Now... I know you've been eyeing these ham hocks. And oh, I'm sure I you're have. Thinking, what is Miss Daisy doing with these? They cook with them. Uh -huh. And then sometimes they, the meat falls off and they eat them. But I brought some just some bags of really good black-eyed peas. And I even brought another sauce pot in case you didn't believe me. And if we had, <laughs> I we had, believe if we had another two hours, we could do it. But we well, add the black-eyed peas, the ham That, that brings back memories. My mama used to cook those black-eyed peas. Oh, man. Oh, and, oh, did, and we, there's were, so many did stories. You, did you ever shell black-eyed peas? Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I remember and they are, shelling They have different peas. colors of eyes when they are in the shell. Right. There can be... Pink, green, whatever, but once they're shelled, they turn brown. Well, no wonder the tradition started about it. <laughs> All right, now, what else do you have, as I said earlier, with this New Year's Eve dinner or lunch on, on the New Year's Day? Turnip greens. Mm -hmm. And I mixed turnip greens, collard greens, and actually mm -hmm. a little mm -hmm. kale. And I did this with some ham hocked and with some smoked, yeah. smoked bacon bones. Well, you're talking to me and Mike Huckabee. We're Southern boys. We understand that well, stuff. I can't get any better. That's right. That's for sure. And then we, you, a lot of people have gumbo. And especially if you're from New Orleans, mm -hmm. you have to have gumbo. And I did chicken and sausage. And I do okra in my gumbo. Now, a lot of uh, New Orleans people, they just use the filet. And they mm -hmm. don't, but love that. Got some rice. And then the gold of our whole meal is, is cornbread. Do you cook cornbread? No, I don't. You don't? But, uh, well, it's but, an easy recipe. But my mother did, and it all, I mean, it had to be cast iron. Oh, it does. It, yeah. it holds the heat in. Mm -hmm. It holds the heat in. 
All right, Keith, it's oh. ready. So, so enjoy. He's tasting uh, oh, the, the gumbo. Spot and hot and spicy black-eyed peas and the now, gumbo. To do it in the correct order, which do I need to eat first? So either one. Either one. Okay. Because it's going to have the sauce uh, combined with the cornbread. It's Here's just wonderful. Look. Oh, yeah. You're going to have it. You are going to have it. So I am already get, having Get it. your black-eyed pea, get the recipe out, and start cooking. Well, from your kitchen to everybody out there, what do we say? Happy, Happy New, Year. New Year. Come see us. Well, a big thank you to Keith and Miss Daisy King for putting us on the path to good fortune. You can, of course, visit Miss Daisy's Kitchen, buy her Southern cookbooks, and subscribe to her newsletter, all by simply following the links on our website. Go to Huckabee.tv. That's the place for all the information that you need. Right now, Keith, why don't you spread that good fortune to our audience and tell us what's still coming up on the show. Well, a Huckabee favorite is next. Rich Little is here after the break, so stick around. Welcome back. That, by the way, was music from one of my very favorite, very serious movies called This is Spinal Tap. If you've never seen it, it's one of the great musical movies of all time. I'm not kidding. It's absolutely fantastic. You've got to rent it, download it. But big thank you to Trey Corley and the Music City Connection for playing that great theme. Well, earlier this year, we had legendary comedian Rich Little on the program, and he did not disappoint. Here's the interview from what you didn't get to see the last time he was here. Was there ever a celebrity that said that you did him better than he did himself? Um, no, I don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, there are a few people that didn't like my impression. Who though. didn't like what you did? Um... One I can think of off the top of my head was Paul Lynn. Really? Remember on Hollywood Square, oh, Paul yeah. Lynn? He hated my impression of him. Why? I have no idea why. Maybe I <laughs> exaggerated him a little bit, you know? But um, He exaggerated himself. Well, he was, yes. Yeah. But he hated it. And every time I did him on Hollywood Squares, the camera would go to him for a reaction, you know? And he'd look into the lens and go... Who's he doing? <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> get, get a day job. <laughs> did, did you ever get a cease and desist letter from somebody who said, don't ever do that to me again? No, I don't think I've ever had that, but I've had a few people say, you, you, you don't do me, I don't sound like that at all, and then the family's behind going, <laughs> but you know it's funny with Paul Lynn, um, he a lot of the, the one-liners he had he made up himself, but generally speaking, they were written for him. And um, I used to write down a lot of them because I did Hollywood Squares a lot. And uh, I remember there was one uh, that I 
that I thought was kind of amusing was one night Peter Marshall, who was the host, said this to Paul Lynn. Paul, when is a person, do you think, legally dead? When the brain stops functioning, functioning or when the heart stops beating? You know what Paul said? What? Oh, it would have to be when the heart stops beating. <laughs> Good Lord, if we determine it by the brain stops functioning, we'd wipe out the Democratic Party. (laughs) (laughs) Rich, you have been on every television show that most of us ever saw, going back, I mean, Ed Sullivan, Jimmy Dean, uh, Judy Garland. It'd be easier to find a show you haven't been on. You hosted The Tonight Show. I know, and yet I can't get on a television show today, except for yours. And I don't. And I thank you for that. Well, I, I really thank you do for thank coming. you for that. You know, you are as good as you've ever been, and you don't do it by just screaming out profanities at the audience and making us to feel like that's funny. Yeah, well, a lot of comics are pretty blue these days. Yeah. You know, and uh, even when we did the Dean Martin roast, they, the roasts weren't blue, you know. Yeah. Um, the comedy was, uh, well, a lot of people watch the, those roasts. You know, even today they say, well, there's nothing on TV and we bring out an old Dean Martin show. And, uh, and I did 24 of those Dean Martin roasts. Wow. Those were great. Was Dean Martin, he was totally different than this image he projected, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I one time after a roast, just out of curiosity, when we were leaving the dais, um, and I walked by where Dean was sitting. I picked up his glass and I went, uh, hmm, and I took a little sip. Guess what? What? It was apple juice. Apple juice. <laughs> it wasn't booze. <laughs> so that was basically put on by him. You know? was, was he a fun guy to be around? Did you, oh, yeah. Did you do him as well? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I did Dean. He, uh, he was... Uh, he was so quick. He was great at ad-libbing. I mean, mm. he, he hated cue cards. And um, a lot of the times he ad-libbed. And the ad-libs were funnier than what they had written for him, you know. <laughs> but uh, he had a very unique style um, of Dean Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you people hear the news today? Yeah, the world's greatest crossword puzzle addict died. And John Scobie was his name, and tomorrow they're going to bury him six feet down and three feet across. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard it said of you that one of the hardest people was Frank Sinatra. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I do Frank Sinatra, but it's not 100%. I would say... And I sometimes get them, but it's tough to do Frank. Usually if I want to do a good Frank Sinatra, I hit somebody. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you got to do. You were one of the best at doing Richard Nixon. He gave you plenty of material, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Nixon was was great. He really was. And and Reagan, he was my all-time favorite. And he loved what you did in his presence. You know, I, when I performed at the White House, and I did a number of times, and one time um, I was there, and we, we usually talked after the uh, function was over, and he would, uh, uh, you know, get in a corner with me, and then Nancy would say, Honey, we're waiting for you in the next room for coffee. <laughs> and he'd say, uh, Well, I know, but I'm, I'm telling Rich a story. <laughs> <laughs> and then she'd say, well, make it a short one. And he, uh, I asked him one time, I said, 
Is it true, and I read this in some, some book somewhere, but is it true that you were the first choice to play the lead in Casablanca? And I'd read that somewhere. Really? You know what he said to me? What? Well, <laughs> yes, that, that's true, but unfortunately, they, they, they gave the part to Inger Bergman. <laughs> What a great line. But it's a great line, but if I had said you were going to play Rick, then he wouldn't be able to say that. And I just happened to say the lead, and then he said, yes, but they gave it to Ingrid Burton. <laughs> and, you know, he was so funny. I remember one time I was at the White House as a guest, and they had the, the um, uh, what was it? the, uh, uh, um, Sri Lanka, the, 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 what would we call them, the, um, the king of Sri or the prince or oh, the, the prime minister, maybe? The prime minister of Sri Lanka, okay. okay. And uh, he was there, and I was invited as a guest, and I sat with the Reagans, and we listened to the president of Sri Lanka speak. And in the middle of the speech, he suddenly said, you know, I learned a lot about the United States of America by watching Laurel and Hardy movies. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe this. And at that point, Reagan leaned over to me and said, our kind of guy. <laughs> so, uh, so, then, so, <laughs> so then, when his speech was over and everybody was prepared to leave and we're all just standing around chatting, uh, Reagan went up to him and said, that, that was interesting the way you <laughs> talked about Laurel and Hardy because I was a big fan of theirs too. I thought they were the best comics I'd ever seen. As a matter of fact, I think the best routine they ever did was Who's on First? <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at my then wife at the time and went, don't say anything. <laughs> that, that was Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. But, um, you know, but anyway, Reagan said, uh, my favorite uh, routine that they did was, who's on first? And the president of Shanka then said, what? And Reagan said, I think he was on second. <laughs> and then the president of Shanka said, I don't understand. And he said, he must have been in the outfield. <laughs> they were doing the routine for heaven's sake. Oh my gosh. For tour dates and tickets to see Rich Little at the Tropicana in Las Vegas in 2024 and to buy his book called People I Have Known and Been, just visit Huckabee.tv. Now, Janet and I went to Rich's show in Vegas earlier this month, and it is definitely worth the trip. Right now, Keith Bilbrey's going to do an impression. He'll do an impression of an announcer, and he's going to tell us what's still ahead. Well, up next, we have a few resolutions to share on In Case You Missed It. Then ring in the new year with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. As we close the door on 2023, let's take a moment to look back. You know, Keith, 
We really covered a lot of ground this year. I don't we know really did. I, I'm, I'm tired. I mean, you know, there was heartbreak, there was tragedy, but there were also some wonderful, inspiring there people really were. showing us that God is still in the details. And we also managed to have a little fun, didn't we? Uh, along the way. A little bit of fun, and maybe a great bit of fun. Here are some highlights from this year. Kevin Sorbo. Carrie Lake. I thought you were the most articulate, forceful candidate that I saw in the entire election cycle. You've got the greatest show, and it Thank is you. just top notch. I appreciate so. that very much. Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. How about this? We'll take him. <laughs> Come on. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. I think I'm probably more of a threat to them. We try to uncover the truth. Would you like to do your Elvis impression for everyone? I would love to. All right. One of the things that I think is pretty cool, Colin, you guys got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2019. That's a big deal. It's incredible. This is so good. Whoa! because we know the American people are decent and good mm -hmm. and wonderful, and this is a country like none other in the world. I've just seen where God has just shown up in more people's lives than I even know about. Where do you go for your information that's accurate and fair? We're gonna ask our audience to do everything we can to try to help you stay. They have been given a reprieve for one more year. We are gonna force them to make these reforms, make these changes, and to make sure this doesn't ever happen again. And that is another wonderful redneck special right there. Yes, sir. I might have been the only guy to enlist in the Army who already had PTSD. Stop squirming, sir, please, just sit still. And I look at this deal, I don't see a thing in it to bring down our trade deficit with China, to bring jobs back to this country. I think that's gotta be priority one, and this just didn't get the job done. Well, if you got a problem with Jerusalem being the capital of Israel, take it up with God. Yeah. <laughs> He's the guy did it. Well, that's a good point, because he was the, He's the guy who put it that well, there were some great memories from this uh, last oh, year's show. I was looking through some pictures today. Were you? Yeah. You know, I, I think any time I got to spend with my grandchildren was yeah. a favorite memory. Of course. <laughs> I, I, think, I loved it. I thought you were going to be talking about memories from the show, Keith, but oh, that's okay. Oh, from the show. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any of those? Any time I got to pick on Trey Corley, that would have been... Yeah. That would have been fun. That would have been yeah, fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm used to that. <laughs> well, hey, the year's almost upon us, and we all like to make some resolutions, don't we? Oh, yeah. Of course we do. Now, it's trendy this time of year. It makes us feel good. But here's the thing. No one actually follows those resolutions. No. Case in point. Trey, what was your New Year's resolution last year? <laughs> That's what yeah, I... Yeah, I don't remember. There you go. <laughs> So this year, I made a long list of resolutions. Oh, really? You wrote oh, yeah. them down? Yeah. And maybe one of them will pan out. Uh, it is time right now for a special New Year's edition, however, of In Case You Missed It. All right, 
here's a resolution. I'd like to slow down and procrastinate more starting tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> or the next day. Yeah, sometime, but not today. Our, what about this one, Keith? I want the price of food to cost less. Oh, absolutely. I mean, at this rate, it might be cheaper just to book a flight to San Francisco and steal from their grocery stores like everybody <laughs> out there does. Or a lot of people are raising chickens and beef now. Just yeah, of course. For their own yeah. use. Well, anyway, here's a good one. Let's see more Secret Service for the president. I'm not worried so much that President Biden is going to get attacked unless you count stairs and bicycles. <laughs> but he also keeps getting lost on stage. And if they're not careful, the White House is going to get a call from the local pound in D.C. saying, hey, did you lose your president? It's possible. Somebody found him over on Spring Street. He's wandering around here. I got an idea. Let's do what this tortoise owner did when his Houdini pet kept escaping over the fence, tied a balloon to him. Now, he really did. There is a solution, Keith. That's right? good. Now Joe can roam the White House lawn without getting lost. You just tie a balloon to it. <laughs> and just think, if you tied enough balloons to Papa Joe, he might just float away. <laughs> Could happen. All right. Hey, what about less State Farm commercials? Yes. Because how much did the Bloomington-based company spend on advertising in 2022? No kidding. They say... Whoever they is, mm -hmm. they say State Farm shelled out over $1 billion on advertising last year. State Farm's slogan is, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But a good neighbor shouldn't bug me every 30 seconds in the <laughs> middle of a TV football game, right? Well, mm. you know who first sang his commercials when he was a young, struggling artist? Was it Barry Manilow? Barry Manilow. Yeah. Did he write that? Yes. He wrote a lot of the stuff. I, I think he did. He did. I yes. think he did. He did a lot of jingles. I think he made more money doing jingles and advertising than even in his <laughs> It's career. an idea for you, Trey. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying. All right, here's one. I'd like gas prices to be low again. Not Amen. as low as Joe Biden's approval ratings. I don't want them to be that low. <laughs> don't expect that. At that rate, you'd just be giving away gas. And you know, Keith, <laughs> they caught on. They're a little slow out here, but they caught on. <laughs> Keith, while we're at it, how big do we have to make the no smoking sign at the gas pumps for people to take it yeah, seriously? That is weird. Yeah, I, I mean, know, that's scary. Do these people not know how gasoline even works? Yeah. To quote Joe Biden, come on, man. <laughs> All right, Trey, this one is for you. I'd like Walmarts to go back to 24-7. Yeah. Because COVID, hey, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. COVID took away all the fun things you'd see at 2 a.m. in a Walmart. Absolutely. I mean, going to Walmart at 2 a.m. was like going to see a live rendition of Honey Boo Boo, Cops, and What Not to Wear all in one place. Absolutely. And while we are at it, let's move Judge Judy's show to the middle of a Walmart. I mean, that'll keep people from acting like fools in the store. There you go. You think? Yeah. They didn't hire me for my looks. They hired me because I'm smart. <laughs> well, guess what, Keith? What? I am not done yet. I'd like to see better wardrobe choices for flying. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be comfortable on a plane, mm -hmm. but come on. I mean, it used to be a big deal to fly. Yeah. Call me old-fashioned. But we used to wear kind of like church clothes mm -hmm. when we rode on a oh, plane. Yeah. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Sure. I always wore a parachute. They won't let me do it. <laughs> 
Well, these days, everybody gets on the plane, they all look like John Fetterman going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously, some folks look like walking beanbag chairs. <laughs> Careful now, it may look like a chair, but it just may be somebody's lap. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> be careful. While I'm on this subject, can we have less drama on airplanes? Journalist Habib Bata was on a transatlantic flight to Toronto when he noticed the door, the floor rather, the floor was wet. The flight attendant gave him a few wipes and he tried to clean it only to discover it was a pool of blood on the floor of the plane. Ooh. Apparently the airline had replaced his seat prior to takeoff but they forgot to clean the carpet. Now, Keith, oh. remember when flights were uneventful? You remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, these days, you're lucky if there isn't a wrestling match, or in this case, amateur surgery going on. <laughs> uh, they wouldn't tell him what the cause of the blood was, but I'm guessing it was a mid-flight exorcism or something <laughs> like that. You know what airline I believe it must have been? What? Spirit. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Also, next time I fly, I'm bringing a poncho. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they charge extra for that, I bet. Won't they? I bet they will. Mm. Well, if there's a bright side to this, at least that guarantees that I get an entire road to myself for that. And that's about it for my resolutions. Let's hope some of them pan out. And remember, we read the news. So you don't have to. <laughs> don't you go anywhere. Coming up, a special performance from our very own Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Happy New Year, everybody. us at the Huckabee Show and TVN, we wish you a safe, healthy, prosperous, and blessed new year. And when it came time to pick the music to usher in 2024, there was no doubt who it would be. Performing nothing you can do about it, please give a big hand for the best band in television, Trey Corley and the Music City Connection! Music City Connection!